Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why does God allow evil in the world? How do you tell if an alien civilization has advanced? Are shadow people really evil? Hello and welcome to the 1009th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from WON AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live and on YouTube. I'm Ben and uh, that was Paul. And, well, that was me also. My dad is, is with us as well, remotely, via Skype. And today we bring you uh, an online, an open line show to answer your questions and comments on many paranormal subjects. And on a uh, warm welcome back note to our special guest co-host today, the one and only Shane Searway. It's good to be back. It's been quite a while, and uh, good to see you guys again. Well, you, from you. you've been a busy guy. I, I, I don't blame you. You've been all, all, all over the place, and we'll talk about that. A little later, so I guess we can just we can hop right into the questions now, right there, Dad, old 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 pal. Okay, well, why don't we start? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All kinds of strange uh, things going on here with the equipment. Uh, this is from our show reporter uh, Phil in Atlanta. I should say Savannah, Georgia. Question one. Is it possible for a person to be a victim of an energy parasite and have no idea that he or she is being farmed? Well, I would say a definite yes to that. Uh, we've encountered that many times over the years. Uh, the farmer that we literally call that species will blend into the environment and not know, you know, and be very, very... Uh, inconspicuous, uh, the people who often have these problems, <clears throat> anyone who's sent to them can pick up the presence of an attachment that they themselves may not know. You fellas? Hmm. Oh, Shane, you wanna you want want me to go first? Give you a little bit of time to get the old the old uh, noggin uh, uh, going. <laughs> sure, you can go. You can go. Sure thing. So I, I guess it is. I suppose just from the work that that we've done and uh, the work that that my dad's done over over the years, it, it makes the most sense to me that you know just just based on sort of the categories that that have that my dad kind of established, it does make sense that someone can be farmed and not really know it. I mean, what <laughs> there's a lot of soul crushing things that happen all the time in in many in you know even the most mundane areas of life, and it's it's um. And your your body doesn't really differentiate between stressors, right? So you you know stress is stress no matter what it is. You know the the body reacts to stress the same way as like you know you're buying a house now or when you were you know when we were you know Neanderthals or whatever we were trying to outrun a saber toothed tiger. And it's it's the same it's the same hormones doing the same things and creating the same sort of um, I guess if if we want to get into sort of pseudo scientific territory with uh, vibrations, perhaps, or or energies, or some something with which uh, that these these entities can sustain themselves off of, um, you know, with with that in mind, it's it's how one you can you can go through this and not not even really realize it, right? Chronic chronic fatigue and and things like that, you know, it's all all side effects 
of of this sort of environment that can be created. So I, I don't I don't disbelieve that someone could go their whole life without knowing um, that they they are are being farmed, quote unquote. Because perhaps we are, all might be being farmed in some way, shape, or form. Um, we just don't know. You know, all we have is is some vague. You know, hypothetical. Well, I won't say hypothetical. We have, we have some vague evidence um, based on our experiences and what we've we've seen in the field. Um, I think it's. I think it. You know, on a large scale, it's possible. You know, I. I. It's happened in the past, and I. I think it could happen now. What do you think, Shane? Yeah, no, I, I agree with both you guys. But uh, so what? What I've found is, you know, these these entities. They can operate in two ways. They're they're either going to put you in an emotional state of being. Um, you're going to notice that being done a, a lot more. You know that that's going to be your your massive haunting. You know um, where they they're really going crazy because they're trying to put you in a certain emotional state of being. And then you have the the case where um, people are in a certain emotional state of being. They're harboring certain uh, negative emotion where these entities will attach onto. Uh, a person and you may not you may not notice it they may not notice it for quite a while and um and so the best way to avoid that is to always try to keep yourself in check and keep yourself in in a good emotional state of being uh full of light and so if, if you are harboring negative emotions um for instance um then you are unified with that darkness and it can devour it will devour it will feed off you so um if you are full of light and you're not harboring uh negative emotions they can't attach to you it, it's you're, you're now aligned and unified with the light um but by default if you're not unified with the light you are by default you are unified with the darkness inadvertently even if you don't know it um and these things will and can not always but they can attach to you and they can feed off of that and that's how I found that works, and so the manipulation of of emotions has everything to do with breaking that connection. Hmm, that's really that's really interesting, and I, I kind of want to come back to that a little later because um, that 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 does make, jive with some really interesting stuff I've been studying over the last few years. Um, but there's there's a second question from Phil that we can dive into that kind of goes along with what you were saying, Shane, which is can a person be a life victim? Of an energy parasite, um, and I, I guess it's I guess it's true. I guess if you do nothing about it, it's kind of like having a cold, or like having the, having the flu, or really any sort of injury or or illness. It's like if you don't do anything about it, if, you know, of course it's going to stick around. You know, um, I, I don't I don't th- I think that's probably the <laughs> kind of reductionist in approach, but I, I think that that's probably the thing that makes the most sense, you know, is if you don't do anything about it, it's going to be around for a while. I, I I guess we've run into people with attachments, quote-unquote, um, where the entity could be pretending to be something that it isn't, and people are like, oh, no, it's helping me. It's helping me do all these things. And it's like, well, is it? Is it helping you? Um, because it could, you know, it... It might give you a grain of truth here or there, but like it's it's really kind of just you know not really I don't know it it just isn't really like there's something wrong something off and it could stick around with you for life I I I've never I don't think I've ever personally experienced it I don't know about you Dad have you, have you? Well yeah it's actually uh, 
a number of times I've found that uh, a parasite or group of them will uh, stick with a, a person or a family, uh, family for generations. Oh, yeah. I cited the case before when I was in San Diego, this is before your time then, uh, giving a talk, and uh, it was a pretty big audience, and one woman kind of struck me. She was sitting in one of the back rows, and I kept being drawn to her. And later on, she came up to me after the talk and said, you noticed, didn't you? I said, yes, you have attachment. And uh, we uh, had a long conversation, and I kept in touch uh, for a while. And it turned out that her family uh, had uh, attachments for generations. And uh, I think corresponding with those attachments were psychic abilities. So I'm not saying all psychic abilities are uh, have any anything to do with parasites. I think psychic abilities are a human defense mechanism, survival mechanism. But in the case of this family, I think there might have been a connection. Her great-grandmother, her grandmother, all down the female line, were very, very psychic and mediumistic. And so we kind of worked there, but... That's one of a number of examples of uh, life victim or lifelong uh, parasite activity, even going generation to generation. Hmm. What do you think, Shane? I agree, and I've, I've seen that with families, too, where, you know, um, it goes from generation to generation. One, one other thing that you'll notice with when that happens, um, when I've worked with multiple generations um, that have has dealt with this, they all fall into kind of the same category. Each generation, I've worked with as many as three, um, have the same level of dysfunction in their life. They struggle with the same type of um, situations in their lives from one generation to, to the next to the next. And you know, is that accidental? I don't think so. I think it's it's it, these entities grooming. Um, they start off with one generation. They they groom the next one. They and then they groom the next one. And it sounds like I'm talking about something else here um, that that we deal with every day, uh, like our schools. But anyway, um, so it 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 goes. That's kind of what these things can do. That it, they don't always do that. But when when you do look at these generations, you'll notice the same level of dysfunction or the same emotional issues and the same um, societal struggles or whatever um, with each of these. And that's not accidental. That's that's these entities grooming um, so they can move on to that next generation and get what they need. And, um, yeah, it's but it, it, it definitely ha- happens. So that's, that's why it's important um, to live a, a certain way. You, you have to maintain a certain um, – of a positive um, emotional state of being. That, I'm telling you right now, that has everything to do with it. When you think of Jesus, and the best example he put forward was, think of him as a tuning fork. He showed us how to be in the right emotional frequency, like a tuning fork. And so when you look at how he lived, and you looked at how he he um, 
never harbored negative emotions. He always gave positive emotions and, and, and that's how you stay free from that darkness. When you are full of a, a, a positive emotional state of being, you're full of that light. These things cannot affect you. Um, and that's just how, how it works. You know, I, I can, I can describe it in a more, you know, like a scientific way and not use like a, a religious direction and it, it result, it, it gets the same results. And, um, Right. But yes. Well, there's a very interesting note on the bottom of Phil's uh, email here. And uh, Phil, as I said, is a show reporter who used to live in the middle of the Litchfield Triangle in Connecticut and now has moved to Savannah, Georgia. And he's still, uh, still chugging along as a reporter. He says, a report coming soon on reports of black-eyed children in this area. I'm hearing various things. Thankfully, I have not experienced them. Black-eyed children are a very weird phenomenon, uh, which we're still looking into. They appear at the door. They have uh, black eyes, like some people say certain aliens do, and they want to come in. And it's not a good idea to let them in, that, that sort of thing. And there have been other contexts. So we'll wait to hear from Phil on that, and we thank him for his work. Indeed. Well, I, I guess we can we can shift shift gears. Well, sort of shift gears, because um, now we we can kind of take some other other listener questions as well. Uh, and I we're we're gonna take one. Uh, it's I think this is actually maybe from YouTube, maybe not Facebook, or maybe it's from Facebook. We don't know. We'll find out. Um, this is from Lowen, Lowenthal, eighty-eight, who we've we've asked a few, who has asked a few questions on the show before. Oh, I'm sorry, Dad. Do you want to say something? No, that's YouTube. That's what I thought. Um, well, it's from YouTube, so we have no we have no fun we have a fun little username rather than an actual name. Um, and Lowenthal writes, just uh, finishing your book, uh, Dancing Past the Graveyard, on the whole matter of the multiverse, parallel realities, and such. Uh, you touch on the problem of evil. Um, Tellards or Tellard de Chardin. Uh, words are all very nice, especially if you're not poor, hungry, sick, or abused. Uh, but with all this power, our wonderful unity, uh, and a loving God, why is there evil in the world? Parasites, remember them? Uh, it's, it's, uh, to this multiver, it's to these multiversal troublemakers that we can look for why the original God shattered into gods. Uh, but didn't God make everything? That would in- include the, uh, parasites. Why would he make such things in the first place? In the end, it doesn't make sense, uh, at least not to me. Thanks for all your research and this endlessly, con- endlessly convoluted uh, and at times quite maddening subject. Huh. Well, that's very true, uh, Lois Hall. Um, there's a long quote in there from my last broadcast at the graveyard. But the theologian he's referring to is uh, Pierre Théard de Chardin, uh, one of the most prominent and one of the oddest theologians, Roman Catholic theologians of the last uh, century, um, in the mid-20th 20th, 20th century, I should say. Um, but uh, he's, if you've ever seen the movie Shoes of the Fisherman, a lot of people haven't. Uh, the priest in there who's a friend of the soon to be Pope is uh, based on Pierre Théodore Chardin. Uh, but in any case, 
you would all ask some very good questions here. Um, would there, the idea that, that God made everything individually in a sense is only one idea in theology. And certainly in Genesis, he creates the world, you know, seven days and seven epochs, how he interpret it. But he, there's clear indication that he lets us go, maybe just to see what happens. Uh, now, at the risk of getting into heretical ideas here, uh, evil certainly exists. But there are various reasons for it. We, uh, in, in the very book that uh, Lowenthal cites, I have uh, a kind of an idea that a lot of Christians might not like, that God is learning along with the rest of us. That <clears throat> his uh, creation was, and this is very theologically sound, was an expression of his complete and infinite love. It had to express itself. So it exploded in this creation. And I'm saying, if the creation, if the, the love that caused the creation is infinite, why wouldn't creation be infinite? In the sense of every possible possibility as quantum physics has discovered, all possible outcomes existing at the same time. And we only see it in perfect balance. So that does not settle the question of whether God has created quote unquote evil, but evil has developed uh, in a way that uh, would test the ability of us to have free will. Now, not, not to get into deeper theology here, but there are reasons why that would exist. And they develop without maybe being directly created by God. Parasites, um, and someone else thinks this point too, parasites, are, are they evil because they have to eat? Uh, are mosquitoes evil because they carry disease? I mean, they can't help it. So, uh, yeah, again, again, I guess you can blame God. But uh, is the drama of life evil because it doesn't necessarily benefit us personally or as a, as a species? These are all questions that I think arise. And again, I think God may have set the whole thing free and these things have developed and we have a responsibility to respond to that. Shane, who always speaks brilliantly on this, talks about keeping things positive. What is positive? Positive is realizing uh, the unity that God has created and uh, the, the positive nature of grace and all these things regardless of your religious belief, what you believe makes no difference in, in the, the fact that we have got to keep things positive. Positive energy unites 
negative energy divide. And that's what parasites feed on. We actually had a parasite in Indiana one time that apologized to the, to the host for having to live that way. Now, whether that was sincere, I don't know. I don't think these things are human. But these are all points to consider. So, uh, yeah, God made everything, but I don't think, I think it's uh, indirect in many cases. And uh, it's the process by which we grow. I don't know if that's understandable. Um, I guess it's it's uh, important to to point out. Um, I'm I'm going to preface this because we got a YouTube comment a couple weeks ago that said that I I tend to ramble a lot, so I'm, I apologize. I I I learned this thing very recently because my wife pointed this out to me because as, as oftentimes my my partner in crime points out my failings, and in this instance she. <laughs> made a really interesting point because I really like Dostoevsky and if anybody's ever read any of his novels they're very long and a lot of criticisms I've heard are well he tells a lot of unnecessary details and he's like well before I tell you this story I need to tell you this one and let me just say that is exactly how my mother is <laughs> and that's she will give you all these unnecessary details but then she wraps up with a bow and is like here you go this is why this is important and that is why I I tend to talk the way I do, and I apologize if it comes off as rambling, and I'm not trying to cope. Um, I believe it's just important to say some things before I make a point. And here's the point I'm about to make. I always find it interesting that Westerners blame God for a lot of things. You know, why bad thing if God exists? If God exists, why he keep bad thing? It's very interesting because it's pointed away from the self. It's 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 not my fault. It's God's fault this is happening. You know, it's not, you know, the evil guy over there who's who's blowing things up. It's it's God's fault. God let this happen. And and I growing up, that was never a thing for me. Um, it, you know, that was never like, oh, why did God do this? You know, it's it, it just wasn't it wasn't a thing. It's not how how I thought. Um, it's not something that I, that was in the subculture that we were in particularly. So I always find it really strange that it that I never really understood that whole argument because it just it it just never it a never occurred to me and b like it just I don't know I it just wasn't really a thing for me because the problem is that everybody tends to you know clean the outside of the bowl rather than the inside right you know the world's garbage but you know I'm not the one doing it you know it's not my fault that that I'm not contributing things and not out here trying to do my best to to fix it or to try and be a better person. Nope, nope, nope. God's fault. All him. That's that's where that's where it is, you know? It's not me, it's God. And not to say this about you, Lowenthal, this is just a general observation on my part. Um because if you really think about it, in most ma- major, you know, mythologies, it's usually point, you know, in in Pagan ones, at least. You know, you always have the Deus Machina, you know, Deus Ex Machina, right? You know, the 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 God comes down, comes down, and saves everything. And in a lot of instances, that that's that whole idea has stuck around, right? You know, humans mess everything up to the point that's like, ah, all right, deity, come down and save us. You know, we goofed up. You know, we we are the ones who messed everything up. Come and save us. But really, at the end of the day, the whole point of 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 Christ is to be like, no, this is like, I'm going to show you how to fix things. You know, this is how you do it. And that's the whole point. 
and and if if one themselves is not you know trying to focus on on bettering themselves you know then the world around them is 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 garbage right you know there was a there was a, a relatively recent um holy man by the name of uh, John of Kronstadt who has this very famous quote that everybody you know will that's what they'll point to but there's a the deeper spiritual meaning to it which is you know acquire a spirit of peace and a thousand around you will be saved and and it's it's the same deal right it's along that same line of you know acquiring this 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 peaceful positive positive i feel like positive is not a great word but it's the only one i can think of off the top of my head that that makes this happen so why why bad thing happen right is is kind of the other the other case and it's like well cuz a we're not doing anything about it you know it's it's <laughs> It's like, you know, you're, you're, you keep driving your car into a wall and you're like, oh God, why is this happening? And it's like, well, because you have your foot on the gas. Like, what do you, what do you expect? And it's, it's the same, it's the same deal, you know? These entities exist, you know, whether, through whatever means, but it's, it's like I pointed to a million times, you know, the, the book by, um, Thomas Nagel, which is, what is it like to be a bat, right? You know, I don't know what it's like to be God as much as I don't know what it's like to be Shane Searway or Paul Eno. It's I don't I don't know what it's like to be them. You know, I don't I don't know what it's like to be you know a microphone or or you know a bat. Therefore, I do not know what it is like to be a parasite. Why they came to exist? There's many different ideas you can point to. You could say they're aliens. You could say that it's something you know. They're demonic. You could say that they're ancient gods that are mad. You lowercase g in that instance. You could say all sorts of things. And at the end of the day, it's kind of everybody's best guess. Because all we know is we don't know their essence, but we know how they act. And we know how they act in the world, and they act in a certain way. And they fit the mold for, you know, whether you want to call them demons or whatever. They tick certain boxes, and we know how they act in the world, and we know how they interact with, with other beings. In this instance, human beings, because we've seen we've seen them do it, and so you know by by saying, well, you know, it's all God's fault, you know, you know, bad thing exists. It's like, well, no, because we don't help it either, right? You know, people do all sorts of messed up stuff, and and you know they'll they'll go around and, and encourage these things, uh, you know, whether they're trying to make a TV show and they're just trying to antagonize something. Or, you know, they just want to feel a little bit special because some cosmic entity is out there making them feel a little bit special and manipulating them. It's, it's, it's a, a story as old as time. And at the center of it, it's not God or these beings, it's us. It's us and our interactions with it. And it's us in the environments that we create by trying to control things. And in essence, we can't really control anything, but we have this illusion of it. And so we know that a parasite is a parasite, not by its essence, but by its energies. And that is my argument. What do you think, I Shane? agree with that. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. Um, I definitely agree with both, both of you. And, and, and I'll kind of take it a uh, slightly different direction, too. Um, I think because the question was, like, you know, uh, why would God create evil? Um, so here's a thought. So God wants to have an intimate relationship with us as individuals, and he he wants to be close. So he wants us to be close to him. He wants us to have that intimate relationship, and he demands it. He wants that. So if we are not having that, if we don't pursue that, if we don't seek that 
intimate relationship with him, then we fall outside of that. And then wouldn't, would it be that maybe he put that evil in place to, so that it would drive you back to him? So if you're not going to be with me here, then you're going to, you're going to have to deal with some of these evil things and you're going to realize you don't like it that much. And it, hopefully you find your way back to me. And so I think that's, um, kind of what our journey in life is, is we, we have to happen upon the realization that we should have a intimate relationship with God. And that's, um, that's to the, the network. That's to be in his light, to stand in his light and be unified with his light. Outside of that is darkness. And that darkness may have been put here to drive us back to God. I mean, that, that's a, it could be true. I mean, um, <laughs> that, that's just a different thought. Yeah, it's almost out of the book of Jubilees, actually. Um, but speaking of intimate relationships, we must take our break. Uh, so you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WON AM and FM here in Blackstone River Valley's kind of warm, uh, sunny, and beautiful day here on the corner of Park Ave and Kennedy Street here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, WON AM and FM. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with special guest co-host Shane Searway, and we'll be right back. Hello, I'm Monique Charette Weekly, calling all classmates of Woonsocket High School, class of 1978. Come help us celebrate our 45th reunion at Bella's Restaurant, Friday, September 15th, from 5 to 10. Looking forward to sharing memories and making new ones. Please call Linda at 401-766-3134. Also, our Facebook page at Woonsocket High School, class of 1978. Hope to see you there. Radio. You're listening to WON AM and FM radio here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the corner of Park Ave and Kennedy Street here in Blackstone River Valley's beautiful Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And with us, we have Shane Searway uh, here on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and my dad, Paul, is over there. And we're going to hop right back into our open line show uh, now that we've tackled some kind of hefty questions. And we're going to hop into another question. Uh, this one coming from uh, Facebook, I believe, this time. This is uh, Kieran in New Jersey. Your comments about how we define the term advanced really make me think. Uh, as you say, advancement uh, should be spiritual and moral, not defined by technology, um, which would be very dangerous in the hands of spiritually and morally unadvanced. Uh, this is in reference to um, I, b- I believe it was our, our, our prior, it might have been our show last week with um, Mark D'Antoni. Was it Mark D'Antoni we had last week? I believe it was. I yes, uh, and the and so we're he, he goes on to say, and the spiritual and moral would even feel the need for a kind of technology exhibited uh, by UAPs. Would they feel the need for it? That is. Well, Mark was uh, two weeks ago. We had uh, Earl Gray Anderson from MUFON last week. Just in case you're interested. Um, Hold on one second. Sorry, we have Susan McNeil Spooler on the phone here. I'm just going to get her on the air and uh, talk about a couple of things. We're going to put you on hold right now, and everybody gets to hear the sausages made. Susan is the organizer of the. Many things, especially the 
Greater New England UFO Conference, which is back. It is back, and we have Susan on the line with us. Yes. Hi, everybody. How are you today? How are we doing, Susan? Um, I am well, thank you. Just so you understand, this year the conference is going to be Saturday, Sunday, November 19th mm. at, in Leominster. I had booked this months ago for City Hall, and then they just contacted me earlier this week that, oh, it's not available on the day you wanted it, even though I did the second day. And so I've had to move it to the Leominster Veterans Center, which is up the street at 100 West Street. It's going to be Sunday, November 19th from 8 to 6. Um, Lemon City Hall is at 25 West Street, and then this facility is at 100 West Street, so it's not just on the same street, it's further up the way. But we'll have plenty of um, inflatable aliens and signage, so you'll know where, where you're going. So having um, uh, Nick Redfern is going to be coming up, and uh, I, was, I tried to get in touch with him to get him to come on with me this, this afternoon, but... I haven't heard back from him yet, but that's fine. Um, he'll be talking about, um, of course, his Mothman and uh, Real Men in Black, and he's, he has some new he has some new experiences. He went down to Puerto Rico and he was working with the Chupacabra or, or was uh, trying to uh, go on a hunt for them in the woods, and uh, he has some interesting information about that. Um, we having Dave McCullough from Massachusetts. Uh, he's worked with Jonathan Wilk. They go on expeditions in Massachusetts, Ohio, California, all different places around the country. So he always has an interesting and exciting information about Bigfoot. Our keynote speaker will be Jimmy Pettinito from Connecticut. He wrote the book called Phantom Messages. And um, he started his uh, investigating uh, the paranormal back in 30 years ago with uh, Edna Lorraine Moore. So he always has a lot of fun uh, things to say. Alexander Petikov will be joining us. He wrote the book, and, and so he has a movie, I created the movie, Lions of the East, as an addition to Sasquatch Out of the Shadows. And, and then finally, we'll be having Matt Moniz. He has materials, like uh, parts of Betty, Betty Hill's dress, and how he has soil from Rendlesham, and he um, has a lot of uh, empirical data. I don't know if you know this, but, but Matt went to Harvard, so he's, uh, he's a trained chemist. So he has a lot of information to share with us. And then we will have a panel discussion at the end of the day, which will be very exciting. So I'll do the same thing. We'll have lots of surprises. We'll have a raffle. We'll have a food truck. We, uh, all the general things that we have in our, our Greater New England UFO uh, Bigfoot content. So we hope everybody can come. And the price will be $40 to get in, which is reasonable. And um, we thank you so much for letting us talk about this. Any questions? But uh, I wish we could go with my health was better. Oh, thank you, Susan. That's great. Thank you so much. It's um, it's good to talk to you again, and I'll come back on you know, as, as things get closer. And I always appreciate that you always support us with our, with our wonderful conferences. And we are, um, we'll miss you this year, of course, and we wish you the best of health. Well, thank you so much. Are we talking to you soon, Susan? All right. Okay, thanks a bunch, you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye now. Oh, wow, what a lineup, huh? Oh, that's amazing. Nick Redburn wrote the forward for the book Lowenthal was, was referring to. So, that's a great lineup. We wish we could uh, be there. Mm, truly. He's, 
So yeah. Anyway, back to back to the 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 listener question, which was based on um, would spiritually and morally people even want UAP technology? That's a good question. Um, one finds that uh, they spiritually adept through history have not seen the need for you know the overabundance of material things at all. You know, and uh, <clears throat> so I think that's a good question, Shane. I mean, what I've noticed in, in at least in, in our our place and time, it seems the more focus we put on technical advancement, the less we put focus on spiritual advancement. It's kind of like a, a distraction. Um, it seems to be, anyways. I mean, look at look at our phones. People are always in their phones. They they can't even connect eye to eye when they talk to people. They're always looking down in their phones. They're missing the world around them. And I think um, so. In a lot of cases, I think technical advancement is a bad thing. I mean, as far as like alien technology. I mean, so I mean, we're not there yet. And I think we would. I don't think we'll get there um, unless we focus more on spiritual, our spiritual advancement and. Um, I think uh, I think right now in in the state of this world, the focus of you know just general people um, that seems to be what the focus is in this world. I think if we had that type of technology, I think it would be it, it would destroy us. I mean, I think um, even AI. I think AI is going to be a horrific nightmare, um, and but we'll we'll see. And um, I, I think um, definitely. I think the the person that stated this question um, probably feels the same way. I, I think we need to focus. Um, we need to get back to spiritual advancement because we're we're far away from our ancestors where they were, and um, and, and you can see in, in the the effect it's having on this world. Uh, there's such an inversion going on in this world as far as our spiritual direction. It seems like every political fad, every everything that's happening in the schools, everything that seems to be this fad, this this direction we're going, and if you think about every single item, it's an inversion and it's an attack on God, and and that's spiritual, and man, it, it drives me crazy. So that's my answer. Yeah. And excuse me. Um. Yeah. No. I um. There's. I, I always like to look because I, I think it's important that we look at mythology because I am a firm believer that ancient peoples were much smarter than we are, um, and there there was this idea that that technology um, was was a way to control the world around you, and control was always a really big part of and it still is it's a really big part of of human existence is you know how do we control the world around us how do we fix the world, right? You know, the idea of utopia. You know, I um there's an author that I, I really like, uh, his name's Paul Kingsnorth, and he does this little like blog substack thing and it's it's really interesting because he was a former um environmental activist in the nineties and he he wrote this really fascinating um actually I heard an interview with him and he he talked about how the environmentalist movement changed from in between the 90s and the 2000s, and he was really big into the the um, British naturalist idea because he was you know he's 
from the UK. This Brit, I forget which British natu- naturalist it was who kind of was really into that, and he he had this idea that we should really go back to farms and have kind of this agrarian lifestyle. And you know, the problem is that we need to move away from the cities and back into nature. And it, it was that was kind of his whole idea, and that was kind of what 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 pushed the environmental movement. It's like, okay, all this stuff's hurting the environment. All this technology is is destroying things. We need to move away from it. And then somewhere along the line in the 2000s, it changed, and it and it went from we need to get rid of technology to we need to use technology to fix the environment. We need to have more wind turbines. We need to have more solar panels. We need to have you know fuel efficient cars. And we need to have all these things, and it's it's going to fix things. We we promise it'll fix things, and and what's it doing? It, it nothing. <laughs> and and it's and he he said he was like it, he's like you know the people that I, I worked with they ended up you know they they started like talking differently and acting differently, and he's like and they just completely gave up what we believed in. And he he was like I I couldn't be associated with it anymore because it was just so. So different, and it was all about controlling the the environment rather than allowing it to be. And so he he made this he made that really interesting point, and I really thought about it because I was like, huh, I never thought about that before. I I was like, that's that's so it's so true. And he was he made this other point that you know t- you know corporations started getting involved and a lot of money started getting thrown around, and he was like, and that wasn't the point. And so he he made that really interesting point, and I really thought about it because it's it, it you know the more we try to control things, the more we mess it up. And I'm sure we've all been in a state where we're all incredibly anxious and we're trying to do something. For me, it'd be like doing a house project, and I get really stressed out. I'm like, I just want to get this done. I'm gonna I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. I'm gonna make this done, and then I, I put a hole in the wall and everything breaks. And it's ah oh, crap. It's because I got really stressed out and tried to fix. Fix it rather than kind of allowing it to be or taking my time and kind of considering the situation and saying, okay, well, how can I work with the situation? And in this instance, with UAPs, right, this idea that, well, we need more technology, it's, you know, are we mature enough to use it? And I, I'd argue we never have been, you know, even even back in the day. I, I pointed this out to... um one of our guests recently, that there was a dialogue between Plato and Socrates, and I reference this a lot because it's important, um, that, you know, Plato is going going to Socrates, oh, isn't it great? You know, Thoth, the Egyptian god of, of writing, gave writing to the Egyptians, and now they can write things down. Isn't that great? And Socrates goes, no, it's not great. What are you talking about? It's it's horrible because now they're not going to remember anything. You know, they're using technology to to, you know, replace that portion of of themselves, because effectively what we're trying to do is extend ourselves through our technology and create, you know, it's, I, I pointed this out to somebody that really we are cyborgs already, you know, I have augmented vision because I have glasses, and that's technology, you know, I have headphones in right now so that I can hear both both uh, my father and Shane, you know, that's technology, you know, I have, I have all sorts of fillings in my mouth because I have terrible teeth, that's technology, you know, I'm a, I'm a metal man. It's it's just it is what it is. And so, you know, I, I I am kind of in the same mind that the more that one distances themselves from technology, a less stressed you are because you sort of allow things to be because that's kind of the that that's the thing, right? You know, we're not trying to control the world around us. We're not trying to control things. We're trying we're just sort of allowing things to be and and to to exist. And the more you try to kind of fit a square peg into a round hole, you know, it's not really going to work. 
And so even if AI becomes a thing, it's like things accelerate so fast that eventually it'll just burn itself out and, and things will just kind of crumble and it, it just it is what it is. <laughs> and you, you know, what really matters is you stick to your principles and, and just kind of do the best you can with what you have because really it all starts at the individual level. And in, in this instance, it's, we're getting very, I'm getting far away from the question at this point. I'm, I apologize. Um, but really it's, even if we do, and we, some argue we already have adopted alien technology, you know, it's safe to say that we're not mature enough for it. <laughs> we're not mature enough now. We're not, we're not going to be mature enough tomorrow. And we probably won't be for a very long time, but yet here it is. And, you know, you, you do your best to be discerning with it, which is a word that's not often used nowadays. And you, you do the best with the tools that you have. And at the end of the day, that's what they are. They're tools. You know, they're not, they're not anything more than that. And so if you use tools in a certain way, yeah, it's not going to be great. So you just use the tools you have and get rid of what you, you don't need. And so here we are. And that's my answer to the question. Okay, well, um, why don't we take uh, Terry from Oxford, Mass. Ah, yes. Lovely Uxbridge, my next-door town. Um, so uh, so Terry writes to us, um, You have said that people bring critical elements of their own paranormal experiences, and that helps determine what they take away from the experience. What do people who are parasitic victims bring to the table, especially in possession cases? Hmm, that's actually a really interesting question. It is a good question. We often uh, cite examples of where People go into a situation, whether it be outdoors or indoors or wherever, with a uh, positive mind and in spiritual peace, uh, aware of um, being in harmony and positive, as I said. They have uh, far fewer negative paranormal experiences, at least in, in my uh, studies. And that includes me. I often cite that the 2016 Bigfoot encounter I had in Pennsylvania uh, was very positive. I was very uh, privileged, I felt. And a little girl from the neighborhood there ran into what seemed like the same or similar creature in broad daylight was utterly terrified. So she wouldn't, she had to talk to us about it. So I think uh, the question of what people bring to possession experiences is uh, right in line with that. Um, the common uh, perception of possession is that uh, a demon will literally take over someone's body and personality. I've never found that to be the case. What I find is the disconcerting idea that people will uh, sort of discover a common identity point in the multiverse with this parasite and will tacitly agree to let it come in. I found people who liked the attention they got because of it felt a bond with the parasite, or demon, if you want to call it that. And uh, I think that there is uh, very much that people bring to it. There, because you have to remember, there are many situations 
where possession does not take place because the person is in a better place than accepting it. So, do you fellows have a comment on that? You first, Shane. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything Paul just said. That's spot on. And <clears throat> so, I mean, we have to remember that we are participants in that interaction. It, it, you know, we we give to to that situation uh, without us, you know, interacting with um, with this, these entities. They they don't they don't uh, communicate. So, like, I, one of the most important things is to ignore them when they act up. But I like to use a an example of. So there there was a house uh, that I was called to, and these people. Um, they didn't feed into it. They didn't give this thing too much attention. They just said that we have like a helpful ghost in the house or whatever. And but it's never. It's homes aren't really haunted. It's, it's people. That these things are there to interact with us. And like I said, we are participants. So that you know, they'd walk into a room. The light would turn on for them. They they one day the um, lady of the house came home and she had locked the keys. Um, she didn't have the keys with her, and the door was locked. And she was like, oh, you know, shucks, you know, whatever. And and the door, she heard it unlock and, and it opened up for her, you know. So they had a lot of that type of stuff going. It never struck fear in them. Um, they never really it, it had an interest in this stuff. And they were uh, just the type of people just to blow it off, like, oh, oh well, you know, big deal. Um, and they just let it happen. And they, they never, like I said, they didn't talk to it. They didn't antagonize it. Fight it. Uh, they just thought, "Hey, I mean, it's it's helpful anyway." So uh, one day, the ladies in the the laundry room. It was like a laundry closet, and she's got the washer and dryer going. She can't really hear anything because all the racket. She turns around. Her daughter's sitting in the doorway behind her, leaning up against the frame, and her her knees were kind of bent up, and one of her legs were was clearly broken. Uh, compound break. Um, and, you know, she was kind of crying, but the mother never heard. And she says, you know, well, what happened? What happened? She said, I fell out of a tree. And then the, the daughter later said that this nice lady carried her into the house. And now they lived in, in the end of a road. There was nobody around. Uh, there was no lady. And but this nice lady carried carried her in. So that was kind of their experience in this house. Many, many years later. I got a call from these people frantic saying that their house was being torn apart. There was an entity in there attacking people and, and it was just hor horrible. And I could hear the, the, the disruption in the background and uh, the chaos. So I started driving out to this house immediately and I, I'm like, wow, this looks really familiar. And I pull up to the driveway and it's the nice house. Now, different family. So, you had people that were a very loving family who didn't feed into it. They didn't give this thing any attention. They didn't try to, um, you know, figure out what it was or who it was or whatever that was in their home. They just let it happen naturally, and they didn't interact with it um, so much. And so that was kind of the the that their take on it in a way. But also um, because of their response, they they never brought negative energy towards it like anger or you know getting mad at it or or anything uh there was no fear either which is a very important thing for parasites they that's where they, they want to take you is to the fear frequency so this um this house i pull up to now what's what's changed the family's changed the family in there now is a is a mixed family there's a lot of dysfunction a lot of fighting 
just a, a lot of negativity and they, these things, when stuff was happening in the house, they would lash out. And the more they lashed out at this entity, the worse it, it the worse it got. And I've always said, like, if you're in a uh, in an environment that there are environments um, that are because of natural uh, things, uh, components that so there will be homes, and not really the homes, but the the area that will be more active than other areas. And, and some of those, most of those areas are going to have rivers or streams around them that are, are, are able to be more active. Now, we usually dictate what kind of activity is going to come through. Sometimes you're going to have activity come through no matter what, but we can dictate what kind of personality it has by the emotional environment we maintain inside our home and within ourselves. So you had a loving uh, family of first, nice nice kind of haunting dysfunctional family and you have a horrific uh, parasite just destroying this house and so that that is an example um you know and so i think a lot of it has to do with our perception and how we view things but a lot of times it has to do with us emotionally and and um because i really uh, i can't say it enough when i go in this direction with how i deal with people and how i help them when i use the emotional frequency direction it's what works every time so i manipulate those frequencies those emotional uh, that their emotional state of being and it breaks connection with the negative entity like a two-way radio two two walkie-talkie that are on different bandwidths or, or frequencies they can't communicate kind of thing all right well we're just about out of time then uh, take us in. take us into the uh... sure thing Okie dokie, and we're going to start off uh, with a couple of fascinating little announcements because, boy, oh boy, it would not be behind the paranormal if we did not have lots of fun announcements. So if you're anywhere or in or around New England, uh, you can take in the Exeter UFO Festival on Labor Day weekend. That's September 2nd and 3rd. Uh, the event benefits local children's charities. Sadly, uh, we have had to bow out uh, this year because of my dad's health, uh, but please go and support the event if you can. Info at ExeterUFO.com. Then the 2023 uh, Western Connecticut UFO Conference, presented by the Danbury uh, Library, will take place virtually and in person from October 22nd to the 29th. Uh, Events will begin on this show on October 22nd with a very special guest and live audience interaction. Uh, More information to come. And the Greater New England UFO Festival, uh, UFO slash Bigfoot Conference, I should say, is back. And we just had uh, Susan Spooler on with us to talk a little bit about that. Uh, This will be a one-day event on November 19th. Uh, That's at the Veterans Memorial Center in Leominster, Massachusetts. You can uh, find out more information on that uh, as time comes along. You can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find nearly uh, 1,200 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 and CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on WON, AM, and FM. Also, you can hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. What do we have next week, Ben? Well, next week, that's August 20th. Jeez, we're powering through August. Soon it will be fall and the spooky season. Um, but on August 20th, we will bring you paranormal researcher Joshua Chez- uh, Cherez uh, for a look at the Phantom Detectives. So we leave you today with a rather pithy thought from Hans Holzer probably the most famous ghost researcher of the 20th century, who said very little that I agree with. Quote, 
The will to displease is the strongest deterrent to wider horizons, unquote. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and that's our outro, so we'll see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another